This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. In Yeshua's time, the average believer lived with miracles every day. Today, we don't see such things, so what are we missing? Michael Root explains why and how we must repent and come back to the knowledge of the one true God revealed in his instructions, rightly dividing the truth of his Torah. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live! Shabbat Shalom Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Are we destroyed for lack of knowledge? What does that even mean? Let's explore tonight's episode with my co-host, the Chief Operating Officer of Arud Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Well, thank you for having me here today, Scott. And you know, uh, oh, and by the way, welcome everyone to Shabbat Night Live tonight. You know, just a moment ago, you said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And off camera, we were talking, that's my father-in-law's one of my father-in-law's favorite uh, verses, uh, his his name is Ron Belter, and he's a retired uh, pastor. And he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. One of Yeshua's biggest issues uh, was to get the knowledge to people. And so I'm so glad that we're uh, kind of starting this whole episode yes. off that way. Yeah, this is a great episode. It's with Michael Rood, and you're thinking, Michael Rood? Well, yeah. yes, this is a new series with Michael Rood. It's actually a new series that was from several years ago, but yes. it didn't get much attention at the time because really it was ahead of its time. It was. It so truly we dug was. this up and went, wow, people need to see this. How many people have not seen this? So now is now more, it's more even relevant uh, today uh, than it was then. So we are adding new features to it and re releasing it. And tonight is the first episode called Rightly Dividing the Truth. So let's take a look. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, that you will no longer be a priest to me. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, who is called to be a royal priesthood, to be his prophets to the world. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it's not the lack of knowledge of science or philosophy. It's because they rejected the knowledge of the true God. They've hewn out their own cistern, their own, their, their own God. And he says, because you have rejected knowledge, and it's the knowledge of the true God, I will reject you. You are no longer going to be a priest to me, because that is what's required of a priest, to understand him and then to be his representative. And then he said, seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God. All right, so there you go, Ted. That is the first episode of Rightly Dividing the Truth, and I believe we have nine, 10 episodes of this? Absolutely, so, yeah. and it's gonna be fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not gonna to wanna to miss one of these episodes. It's some of Michael's best teaching, and like we said, it was overlooked at the time maybe a little bit, but today it's more relevant now than ever, and I just thank Yahovah that we're able to present this uh, to you now so you can really get a good understanding of today's times and stuff. But Scott, you have even more to talk about today. Today's, what about the calendar today? Well, we have the new calendar. Is 
is now on the way. We received them uh, just yesterday here in yeah. the office, and yeah. now they are in the mail. We're feverishly sending them out. So yes, let's indeed. take a look at where we are on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. This is the fourth and final Shabbat of the month of Aviv. So we are still in the month of Aviv, and that means we are on the seventh day of the counting of the Omer. That's so right. we talked last week about the day of first fruits, and that is the first day of the counting of the Omer. And uh, now we are into, uh, now that sunset is, has arrived, we're into now the seventh day of the counting of the Omer. And we're counting down basically to Shavuot on That's May right. 23rd. There are 50 days. This is basically when uh, the day of first fruits uh, first occurred in, uh, in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then 50 days later, when the commandments were given. That's right. And it's interesting to note that the commandments were given uh, on top of Mount Sinai with fire. And everybody who was there, even though they came from different backgrounds and languages from Egypt, uh, because, you know, a mixed multitude came with the Egyptians, right? right? Absolutely. So they all heard it in their own language. Well, gee, that sounds familiar. Where do I know that from? From the New Testament. That's That's when the Spirit was given. It's the same day on the calendar. That's where the the, the, uh, disciples were. They were celebrating this event at the temple when the Holy Spirit was given. It came down just like it did at Mount Sinai. It split off into tongues of fire, as we read about in the New Testament in Acts, and rested on each person, and then yes. after that, everyone heard the gospel in their own language. It was like it was like Mount Sinai all over again. The f- the spiritual fulfillment of which uh, happened right there in the temple. That's right, Scott. Well, Scott, we also have a new love gift that we yes, want to we talk do. Let's about. Let's not forget now. about that. So now this is really cool. This is a continuation of what we did last month. Last month That's we right. had Kevin Fisher yes. talking about the Cave of the Covenant. This is where Ron Wyatt was talking about how he found uh, the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. In mm-hmm. the cave beneath. Golgotha. I have been to Mary Nell Wyatt's house, Mary Nell and, and Randall Lee. Yes. Uh, and they have, it's, it's like walking into Indiana Jones's house. I know. They have artifacts down there, just amazing. Yes. And, and some of these things were from Ron Wyatt. And she told a story to us of, uh, he, she sent Ron to Israel one time with four uh, Super 8 tapes. Yes. And if you know what a Super 8 tape is, you're, you're That's RH, back right? in the day. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So she sent him there with four tapes and he only came back with three. And she was so upset at him. She said, what? Did you lose one? How could you lose a tape? And he, and he said, no, I left it in the cave with the Ark of the Covenant. Wow. So in the Ark of the Covenant, apparently is a Super 8 tape that Ron set up uh, because angels told him to do all this yeah. uh, and, and tape what was going on in the cave and leave the tape there for future reference for wow. someone to find it one day. Wow. And apparently it's it's labeled with a, a number three or a C. She couldn't remember whether she named them A, B, C, or D, <laughs> or one, two, three, four, <laughs> but C or three is missing and it's in the, in the cave with, with Absolutely the Ark of the Covenant. incredible. So now this is the, uh, this is the second part of it. Uh, with Kevin Fisher. Yes. Finding God's gold. Does God have gold? Well, if you're talking about the Ark of the Covenant, he certainly does. Yes. And this is, I gotta read you this. This is incredible. So, in Finding God's Gold, Kevin Fisher presents breathtaking video that very few have ever seen, and this is true. Witness sophisticated detection equipment pointing to a large amount of gold directly beneath the site of Yeshua's crucifixion, which would mean the Ark of the Covenant is where they said it is. This equipment, I looked it up on YouTube uh, for another video to verify this thing. Uh And sure enough, it's a gold detection equipment that is from Turkey. It's made in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And uh, it basically spins around, and when it finds gold, even if you had a gold uh, coin in your pocket, it would point to you. Or if there's gold behind us, it would swing around and point back there. Well, it keeps swinging around to where they think the Ark of the Covenant is, right in front of Golgotha. And when the person is over top of it, it spins around, meaning it's directly below. 
Wow. It's an amazing thing to watch, and that is in Absolutely the Love Gift. Amazing. There are also a, a couple of other things, one of which is our favorite thing. Michael has this. Oh, yeah, in his yard. At his yard. Prominently displayed yep. in his yard. And this want, is a garden flag. That's right, with the name of God on, on both the garden sides. flag. Now, it yep. doesn't have the little flagpole stand that comes with it, but you can get those at any box store, and they're very, very inexpensive. But ladies and gentlemen, what a great way to display your faith by having the name of God in front of your home like this. Right. So we think this is just a wonderful garden flag, and this and it's is just part, really good. Absolutely, and this is all part of uh, the April Love Gift. So this is for your gift of fifty dollars. Michael said, "I want you to have this." Thank you to Kevin Fisher for coming in and doing it. Yep. For a gift of hundred dollars, said Michael says, "Give him even more." So <laughs> how about one of them in the name of God flags? Great, Michael. Great idea. So let's do that. That's right. So this will be for a gift of hundred dollars, and for a gift of three hundred dollars, well, we'll let the commercials say that for you. It's yep. this beautiful set in front of you here, uh, and we'll talk about that in just a second. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Scott, today. for having me. All right. Well, tonight, Michael. Root explains why and how we must repent and come back to the knowledge of the one true God that is revealed in his instructions. We are rightly dividing the truth. But first, let's go to the Kiddush with Michael. Stay tuned. In the 1980s, Ron Wyatt claimed to have found the Ark of the Covenant. Today, sophisticated gold detection equipment is suggesting his claim is true. So now it's spinning when it's, it's moving left and right, scanning, and it's pointing to the cross hole, which the Ark of Covenant would be below that. Yes. So it's underneath that area right there. So the Ark is below. Finding God's Gold with special guest Kevin Fisher reveals amazing video that connects Golgotha to the Ark of the Covenant. But the only way to watch it is to receive it as our gift. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Finding God's Gold with Kevin Fisher on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you Finding God's Gold plus a one-of-a-kind yard flag featuring the name of Yehovah in Hebrew scanned directly from the Aleppo Codex. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you Finding God's Gold with Kevin Fisher, the Name of God Yard Flag, and a silver-plated serving set. Perfect for adding some set-apart elegance to make the Sabbath extra special. These gifts are available only in April, and supplies are limited. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Remember, this offer ends April 30th and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts. 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread, this represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And 
This is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch Atah, Yehovah, Elohim Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem, Min Haaretz. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this, by his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruch atah Yahweh, Elohim melech ha'alam, Borei Puri Hagafen, blessed are you, Yahovah, our God, king of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant. I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and teach all nations. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. The closing lines of the book of Matthew. Jesus, or as everyone then called him and we shall call him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua, Yeshua told his disciples to raise up other disciples and to teach them what Yeshua had taught his disciples. But today we hear stories about Jesus, but we seldom, if ever, hear the things that he taught his disciples. On the other hand, we hear plenty of interpretations on the English version of Paul's letters, some of which are so grossly mistranslated as to bear no resemblance to the Torah or the prophetic writings from which Paul constantly quotes. Yeshua's words are being stripped from their context and individual sentences are quoted to support a particular denominational interpretation. But Yeshua said, I did not come to bring peace to the earth, but rather to bring a sword, a sword of division. That sword divided families, congregations in his days, and eventually nations. America is a product of that sort of division that separated us as a nation from the tyranny of those who claimed to rule by divine right, but denied us our God-given rights of liberty, freedom of will, freedom of choice. It was George Washington, a founding father and the first president of the United States of America that said, you cannot enslave a Bible reading people. The States of America united as one nation under God is the second nation on planet Earth to be founded upon God-given rights and God-given responsibilities. The blessings of liberty were the God-given rights that were secured by forming a limited constitutional republic. 
Along with these blessings come curses or God-given consequences for denying and shirking our responsibilities to the Creator. Both Israel and the United States of America, which were founded on God-given rights and responsibilities, were the two most prosperous and free nations in the history of human civilization. One nation started in slavery to Egypt. The latter started in servitude to the British crown. Yeshua not only declared that he came to bring a sword of division, but he also said in John chapter 10 and in verse 10, he said that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. We're gonna find out what that thief is a little bit later, but he said that I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This nation is a result of that abundance. Christian churches in America built the universities, the hospitals, the orphanages. They sent missionaries to the ends of the earth. Throughout history, both Christians and Jews have led every field of legitimate science and have invented almost every device that has benefited mankind. As Christians and Jews who have feared God that have advanced human kindness and stopped the slaughter of millions upon millions under the hand of atheist governments around the world. As a nation, we have had the abundance to be a provision for the needy at home and abroad. When we as individuals and as a nation function as a conduit to provide blessings to others, our prosperity and ability to help others increases. One of the most profound principles that Yeshua articulated was that of being and living the lifestyle of a giver. One who gives out of what little they have sometimes, but to be a provision for those who have even less. This principle is often absconded by crafty confidence artists parading around as ministers of the gospel who prey upon the weak and gullible. But Yeshua did not promise abundance if you give money to multi-million dollar private jet flying shysters. He, he did not preach a gospel of sowing and reaping so those who sow to the rich who promise a harvest of untold riches actually get all the riches that the people that they give to. The abundant life that Yeshua came to bring is dependent upon you. Living a life of giving, serving, and as he stated it clearly, do for others just the same as you would want them to do for you. He instructed his followers to be merciful in judgment, to be gracious when unjustly treated, to be loving even when you're hated, to be abused rather than to abuse. If you live a life of giving rather than getting, men, he said, will give back to you a good, full, abundant measure. We often hear this principle articulated in reverse, what goes around comes around. It's usually in response to someone who has done someone wrong. While that is true, the positive is even much more true. If you give abundantly, it will be given back to you even more abundantly. Yeshua said that your container will be filled up to the brim. It'll be shaken till settled. It'll be pressed down and compacted, and then even more will be added until it is running over. If you are a follower of Yeshua, and if you are not living this abundant life 
something is wrong. If you are not overflowing, then something is wrong. And I don't mean financially. I'm not talking about wood, hand, stubble. I'm saying that he that dies with the most toys wins is not the principle that Yeshua is espousing. I'm saying that you might live in relative poverty. You might have a dirt floor. You might have one shirt and one pair of trousers and still have far more abundance than Baron Rothschild. In the eighth chapter of John, he records Yeshua's words. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now that I'm sure everyone wants. They want freedom, but what does this freedom entail? If we know the truth, we will be set free from the bondage of man-made religion. And when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom that Yeshua lived and taught, and what he taught his disciples, he set them free from man-made religion, from the bondage of religion. We are set free to live in obedience to the commandments of a loving heavenly father who has given us his instructions. In Hebrew, Torah the words to rule and govern life. He has given us his, in his instructions so that we might know how to love God and how to love our neighbor and do for our neighbor as we would want our neighbor or fellow man to do for us if he were in our shoes. Conversely, the rules of man-made religion builds a false prison around us. Religion demands that we conform to their self-defined world and submit to the manipulation of men who desire to control and extort from you that which does not belong to them. Religion wants your money, your time, your life, and they want it to build a temporary kingdom, a monument to their own self-importance. But did Yeshua ever build a building and ask people to come in, sit down, shut up, and give their 10% religion tax? No. He taught them the truth, and the truth set them free from the dominant religious system of his day. And what the dominant religious system of his day was then is no different than what it is now. He set people free from the bondage of man-made religion, which was, in his day, Phariseeism. Prushim in Hebrew, which means separated ones. Basically separated, a denomination, a cult. And we have the writings of the Pharisees that go back more than 300 years before the birth of Yeshua. When Yeshua entered the scene, the entire nation of Israel was under the domination of that particular religious sect that wanted to separate themselves and live a more holy, a more righteous life, but they did so by inventing their own rules and regulations in direct contradiction to the instructions in the Torah, which says no one is ever allowed to add one single commandment or diminish one single commandment from the instructions we received from Moses at Mount Sinai, because these instructions came directly from the Almighty. And these are the instructions that last forever. And as Yeshua said, do not think for one moment that I've come to destroy the Torah of the prophets. I have not come to destroy, I came to fulfill. He came to fill up and to show us how to live these things because these are the rules to govern life. These are the instructions from the Almighty. And so you can join a cult, you can become a separated one, you can become a denomination, 
But And in fact, right now, you are either a follower of Yeshua or you're basically in a cult. In an atheist dream world, there is no God. No God-given rights, only government-given rights. They can be altered or abolished at the whim of those who think they have no accountability to a higher power. As a whole, the population of the United States of America is now grossly ignorant of the Bible. You cannot enslave a Bible-reading people, but the Bible has been taken away from the understanding of the populace. We have become ignorant of the Bible and we have ignored the warnings of our founding fathers. We have actually relinquished our responsibility to elect God-fearing judges and politicians to protect God-given rights. An atheist cannot protect God-given rights. It's against his nature. In fact, it's a blatant conflict of interest for an atheist to protect God-given rights. They, by nature, want to be the guardian class of Plato's Republic, privileged guardians of the states, demigods. And this is why we are plunging headlong into an atheist socialist slave state. We are being systematically enslaved because we no longer are a Bible-reading people. The Ivy League universities in America, which were founded to give the future leaders of this nation a thorough command of the scriptures and to establish the moral compass of honesty and personal integrity, they have become the breeding grounds for the occult, a playground for those who have bowed the knee to Satan for their piece of the pie promised to those who sell their soul for a dollar. The fact of the matter is, the Bible is no longer read. It's not read, and when it is read, it's not understood. And the reason that the Bible is not understood, because we are no longer taught how to understand and to read the Bible. We are trained to think that King James English is just, oh, too difficult to understand. But, you know, that's, uh, that is my particular favorite version of the English Bible is the King James Version because we can go back with any number of resources and go right back to the original languages because no translation is going to be correct. In fact, the King James Version is not even a translation. I have, a, um, I have right here, uh, thanks to Thomas Jefferson, I have his book stand here, and um, I, I have uh, the Interlinear Greek English New Testament. And this is something that everyone should have because here you have the Greek words and then you have the direct English translation under every single word. And so you can see this is a translation. And then it has to be reworked according to syntax so that we understand it in the target language, which in this case is English. There are so many resources that we have available to us by going back to the standard, which is a King James Version, and um, this is authorized by King James. Uh, uh, it was uh, done in 1611. As a matter of fact, there were two publications in 1611, and uh, the Second version had corrected several things that were in the first version, and even the English language has changed from 1611 to what it is now. And that's why we're basically using the 1827 version of the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, my particular one was uh, published by Cambridge. They were the ones authorized to publish the King James Version in the first place. 
how we got the Bible is into the English language is really a fascinating story because it took the blood and lives of so many people to get a copy of this in our language so that we could read it. And then in just a little more than 100 years after this was translated into English, that is when the people on this continent stood up against divine right rule and said no. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal in that they are endowed by their creator with certain, absolute, inalienable rights, rights that cannot be stripped from the individual, not by religious system, not by a a civil tyrant. These are God-given rights that we are basing this nation upon. And as long as the populace understood these God-given rights and God-given responsibilities, we would continue to live as a free people. But the prophet Jeremiah spoke, and so eloquently, even of this day. In Jeremiah chapter two, and in verse 13, he said, and he is really, this is a word from the Almighty. He says, my people, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The Almighty is saying that that he, he is the fountain of living water. It's limitless, a limitless supply, but instead of holding to his commandments and living according to his instructions, instead what we have done is we've stepped away and we've made up our own cistern. We've chiseled out our own stone water pot. But this stone water pot, this cistern, it's broken. It can hold no water. It's our own way of doing things. It's a we, we have fabricated a God of our own choosing and it can hold absolutely no water. In the broken cistern of my denomination, we prayed for the sick at every Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. Yet, I never saw or heard of one single person getting healed. I never saw the miraculous until the day that I could sit up straight in the church pew and fall asleep like the deacons and elders. When I could sleep through the sermon, I knew that I had found the key to longevity in church, but that was not the miraculous for which I was looking. When I read the book of Acts, it changed everything because that was real, and I knew that it was real. Something testified to me that this was still real today. Now, at that time, the Vietnam War was still going on, and We had friends that were coming back in body bags. We had several from our church. As a matter of fact, our pastor had had resigned and became a chaplain, was in Vietnam. And it was then that I decided I was gonna do the hardest thing I could think of doing. I was going to join the Marine Corps. I was going to go into combat arms, uh, infantry, and so I would be guaranteed that I would go to Vietnam because I wanted to see if the dead could be raised. I knew it could be true. I knew the miraculous could happen, and I needed to put myself in the place where miracles could happen because I knew that God was alive, and that is the adventure that I began on. 
I made them a promise me, as actually in my contract, that um, even though everyone from Michigan at that time was going to uh, San Diego to become a Hollywood Marine, as uh, we at uh, Paris Island called them, but I wanted to go to Paris Island, and so they put me on a separate plane. I ended up at, uh, at in South Carolina, at Paris Island Marine Corps Training Depot. That began the adventure, ladies and gentlemen, and that adventure has not stopped because I did get to witness the miraculous. I saw the hand of the Almighty work in such profound ways, that's why I continue doing what I do today. And so I want to take you along with that journey because it's not the events that uh, transpired uh, just in the time that I was in the Marine Corps, but what has happened in the decades since that time, as you can probably determine, I am no longer in the Marine Corps. I've uh, long passed that age, but yet the lessons that I began to learn to how the Bible interprets itself and how to read and understand the scripture and not get in the trap of religion, this has been one of the most difficult paths to walk that I could begin to imagine. And there are many pitfalls along the way, but that is why I'm here to help you in this. Because my church taught me their rules for proper behavior. Sleeping in church was not a sin, but they had a 100 other rules that they called sin, but they weren't in the Bible either. And so I'm beginning to ask myself, well, what is sin and what, what, what's the greatest sin that one can commit? And then I found that Yeshua was speaking to a number of religious leaders and they asked him, saying, uh, Master, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Yeshua said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, if this is the greatest commandment, to love God with everything that we've got, with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with our everything, then you know, it can be deduced from that that perhaps one of the greatest sins we can commit is loving something else more than we love God. Hewing out our own God our own power-empty cistern. Well, I want to take you back to Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy chapter six and in verse four, we read. And please, take your Bibles. We're gonna be using your Bibles a lot. Make sure you have a King James version of the Bible. I don't care, you know, you, you can have your, your shelves filled with different versions, different texts, Greek text, Hebrew text, but this is our text that we're going to be using because we are gonna be able to go from here right back into the original languages and all the study aids are there. The most voluminous, Study aids in the history of the human race have been done from the English language back into the original languages. And here in Deuteronomy, Shema Yisrael, Yehovah Eloheinu Yehovah Echad, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And this is what Yeshua is actually quoting. And it goes on to say in verse six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently, diligently unto your children. 
You shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the way, and when you lie down at night, and when you rise up in the morning. You cannot enslave a Bible-reading people. You cannot enslave them. If they know the truth, the truth will set them free and put their feet on a higher ground. And if you don't, they will end up in slavery because men will take advantage of them. First, through the religious systems, and then, as it is in most of the world, they will be in slavery to atheist socialist governments who say there is no God. See, those who do not believe in God, those atheists, they really can't even be Americans. They're not Americans because Americans believe in God-given rights, God-given responsibilities. And as Samuel Adams, the brother of John Adams, uh, our second, um, uh, well, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, along with Benjamin Franklin, were the ones that uh, penned the Declaration of Independence. And it was Samuel Adams who said, we are not basing the future of this these United States upon the Constitution. This is the time of the Constitutional Convention, putting it all together. So we're not basing it on that, we're basing it on every individual's ability to govern themselves according to the commandments of God. See, if a person will govern themselves according to the commandments of God, you do not need a police state. But if they will not govern themselves according to the commandments, then you need police. You need a police state in order to hold down the, 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 those who live in absolute abandon. That's why, you know, as we see, all these shootings happening in America, most of the shootings, mass shootings that are happening are those who are on drugs that are being advertised every night and every day, all day long on the television system because it's a multi-billion dollar industry and the psychotropics that are being peddled in America, this is what's turning people into absolute animals. Animals that have no God, they have absolutely no compunction and now we see that it takes the long arm of the law to keep those in check. But if people will govern themselves according to the commandments of God, then you do not need the police state. And everyone, as is uh, often said, that uh, an armed society is a polite society. When everyone has the ability to protect themselves, everyone is pleasant, everyone gets along, and uh, that is true. And when people govern themselves according to the commandments of God, it is a very peaceful society. The very first commandment shouted down from the flaming mountain in Arabia, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no other gods, El Panai, literally in my face. He said, I, I don't wanna hear about him. I, uh, later on he says, I do not even want you to name the names of other gods. He wants us to be holy, to be separated, and to understand him, and to worship him, and to obey him by freedom of will, and when we do, then life is sweet. But yet, the prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Turn to Hosea, Hosea chapter four, verse six. Hosea chapter four, verse six, and there we read, 
My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you that you will no longer be a priest to me. He's speaking to the nation of Israel who is called to be a royal priesthood, to be his prophets to the world. But my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now it's not the lack of knowledge of science or philosophy, it's because they rejected the knowledge of the true God. They've hewn out their own cistern, their own, their, their own God. And he says, because you have rejected knowledge and it's the knowledge of the true God, I will reject you. You are no longer going to be a priest to me because that is what's required of a priest to understand him and then to be his representative. And then he said, seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God, and again, the word law is the word Torah, which means instruction. Now I know whenever Someone says, it's the law. Immediately, you picture flashing blue lights, handcuffs. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say will be held against you in the court of law. That is not what the word law is in the scripture. When you see the word law, it is Torah. It is instructions. It is the instructions of a loving heavenly father to his children of how to love him and how to love our neighbor as ourselves. On these two commandments, every single commandment in the Torah hangs on those two commandments. Yeshua said it and it is understood. To, how to love God and how to love our neighbor, that is why we're given these instructions. But because we have forgotten those instructions, the Almighty says, I am rejecting you, you will not be a priest to me. You will not be my representative because you have forgotten my instructions and I am going to forget your children. Because we are supposed to be teaching our children when they rise up in the morning, as we sit at the table during the day, as we walk by the way, as we lay down at night, our children are supposed to know the truth so the truth sets them free from the bondage of government and religion. Yes, we have rejected the knowledge of God the knowledge of him which is revealed in his instructions. We are not going to ever again think of the word law in the negative because this is the absolute loving commandments of our loving Heavenly Father. Now, I want to continue on. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians, we are going to go to the Brit Hadashah, the renewed covenant. We're going to go to one of Shaul or Paul's epistles. This is a letter they wrote to the believers in Thessalonica. And it's actually his second letter that he wrote to the believers there. And he is speaking about the, the end of days and some of the things that would be transpiring upon the earth during that time and the deception. He says, because they, this is the 10th verse of the second chapter, says, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, which is to be made whole, God shall send them a strong delusion so that they will believe a lie. Now, first of all, because they did not receive the love of the truth. Now, to receive the love of the truth implies that the love of the truth has to be offered. 
because you can't receive something that is not available. And so the love of the truth is something that we see that, that the Almighty offers to everyone who draws breath on planet Earth. And this is very important because I, I think that the, the terminology love, as in love, the love of money is the root of all evil. See, you can never get enough of that which you love. You can never get enough. If you love someone, you can't get enough of them. If you love money, you can't get enough money. If you love the truth, you can't get enough truth. And most people, when they're offered the love of the truth, here it is, this is what you get in life. Would you like to have the truth? Would you like to receive this gift of the love of the truth? You will not, you, you, no longer how long you live, you will never get enough truth, but you'll be desirous of it. Will you receive it? Everyone is offered the love of the truth and the love of the truth that they might be saved. The word saved in Greek is sozo, which is to be made whole. That's simply what it means, to be made whole. It can be made physically whole, emotionally whole, spiritually whole, mentally whole. It's just to be made whole. And if you love the truth, then your life will be filled up and complete. That's why I say power-filled abundant living that you will be filled to overflowing with the love of the truth and your life will take on a quality that you could never ever imagine when you come to know the true God who makes himself known through his word, not through religion. Yeshua said that the path that leads to destruction is extremely broad and nearly everyone, it says in the Greek, goes that way. But the gate that leads to life is extremely narrow and very few, very few will ever find it. The broad path that leads to destruction is religion. Everyone is religious. Everyone, even atheists are religious. They have a religion called evolution. It describes how we got here without there being a creator. Bizarre as, as it seems, there are actually people who uh, ascribe to that religion. It takes faith far beyond anything I can comprehend. I don't have enough faith for that, okay? But that is a religion of atheists. Everyone is religious. The question is, have we received the love of the truth? The truth is that which makes us whole. That which completes our life. The love of the truth, it's a gift offered to every man by the Almighty. If they do not receive that gift, God will give them just what they really wanted, a strong delusion so that they can believe a comfortable lie. The word send, he will send them a strong delusion. The word send in, in the Greek is pempo, which means to send one home to where they're comfortable. You don't wanna receive the love of the truth? Don't worry. I'll give you a strong delusion. You can believe whatever lie you want to. You can go to sleep and when you wake up, you can believe anything they want you to believe. But if you want the truth, there's only one place to find it. In 2 Timothy chapter three, if you'll turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter three and verse 15. This is Shaul, Paul, writing to Timothy. Now Timothy's mother was Jewish, 
and, uh, and his father was, uh, was a Gentile. And Timothy writes to him and says, from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, or unto wholeness, through faith which is in Christ Jesus, or Yeshua Messiah, as it would have been spoken in, in the day. From a child you've known the holy scriptures. Why did he know the, the scriptures? Because his mother was Jewish. His mother, taught him when he rose up in the morning, as he sat at the table, as they walked by the way, uh, at, at night, uh, when he was put down to sleep, learning the scriptures his whole life. But what scriptures that, that are able to make us wise to salvation through the faith which is in Yeshua Messiah, what scriptures was he being taught? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians? No, they didn't exist. The gospel still would not be written for decades. The scriptures that he's speaking of is the Torah, the instructions, and the prophets that call everyone back to keeping the commandments that teach us how to love God and how to love our neighbor as ourself. The scripture, is what he's speaking of, is the Tanakh. Tanakh, the acronym for Torah, the Nevi'im, and the Ketuvim. The Torah, the instructions of the Almighty, the Nevi'im, or the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which are the other writings, the historical books, etc. See, sin is defined in the Torah. It tells us when we're transgressing the will of the Almighty. It tells us when we're transgressing the rights of other individuals such as, thou shalt not, as it says in King James, kill. It's literally in Hebrew, it's murder. Thou shalt not murder. And in this day, the Almighty gave the authority, not only permission, but the responsibility, says he that kills someone, murders someone, must his life must be taken by man. And so that's why courts are set up to be able to do this and to do it righteously to make sure that the innocent are not put to death. But yet, when we transgress and, and hurt man, then we see that that is sin against the Almighty. And so the Torah defines what sin is. And this is actually what it says in, in 1 John. It says sin is the violation of the Torah. That's what it is. It's not the violation of the rules of your particular denomination. Violation of the Torah is sin. What does the Torah tell us? Thou shalt not add to the commandments that I give you, thou shalt not diminish or subtract from, that you may keep all the commandments of Yehovah, your Elohim, the Lord your God. See, once you add a commandment or take away commandments, you no longer have the commandments of God. You have the beginning of a man-made religious system. And when we redefine sin, when we make rules and regulations that are not in the scriptures and put these up as a standard of righteousness, then we have formed a cult. We formed a denomination. We have formed our own prushim, a beautiful word, prushim or Pharisee, meaning separated ones, because we separate ourselves from the commandments of the Almighty when we make up our own rules and regulations. And this is what we see all through Yeshua's life and ministry. All through his ministry, he never violates the Torah, never breaks the commandments. But what does he do? He vehemently, repeatedly, over and over in their face, completely, openly violates the man-made rules that the Prushim had put in place.
And the Pershim, the separated ones of those days is no different than the Pershim, the separated ones of our days that have all the rules and regulations of their particular denominations. Ladies and gentlemen, Yeshua is still alive. And if he is in you, he is going to call you out from the religion of this world. He is going to offer you the gift of the love of the truth. And if you'll receive it, then you are going to be on a different path your entire life. Sin is defined by the Torah and in the Torah. And breaking the Torah, breaking the commandments of God is sin. The Nevi'im, the prophets, they are the ones that call people back to the commandments in the Torah. See, the Torah is described as a fence around God's people, the fence. And we are all supposed to be inside the fence. We are all to love God, we are all to love our neighbor as ourselves, and every commandment fits within that fence. It teaches us how to do that. And so within this fence, we are protected. And as we were told before we took our place in the promised land, we were told that we were to agree that anyone who is outside of the fence, outside of the commandments, was under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not remain inside the fence and keeping the commandments. Now what religion does? Some religions say, well, we put up a fence around the fence so that no one even gets close to breaking the fence, the commandments of God. Wait, the original fence says, no one adds to and no one subtracts from. So instead of putting a fence around the fence, what they did is they broke open the fence and then made a separate corral in which they herd you so that you can be systematically fleeced and taken advantage by their religion. See, this is the kingdom of heaven. These are the rules of the Almighty. These are the rules that Yeshua will establish and everyone will live by when he lives and reigns and rules upon the planet. There's no difference. These are the rules. This, These are the rules of the kingdom. If you break that down and make up your own fence, it's an alternative kingdom. It is an alternative universe that will not see the kingdom of heaven. That's why Yeshua said, the gate is very narrow that leads to life. We need to follow him. We need to listen to him because he has led us on this path. He said, I am the door. I am the gate. Listen to me. Follow me. Because every religious system out there will attempt to take you down the path of destruction. 